not a terrorist. Stick up for the First Amendment. Nobody voted for you. Went to Lafayette Square. Yeah. First Amendment. Cause Trump don't care. November vote blue. Get the kids out of the cages. Get out and vote. And increase our wages. Come on now. Welcome back to Naharan America. We've got a great interview today, or tonight, depending where you are in the country or the world. He's a great comic. He's a big, tall drink of fun. He's a funny guy. His wit is incisive, charismatic. He talks about social commentary. He has a debut album out called Above the Fray. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Conyers. Paul. What up? What up? What up, Paul? I'll What's t- up, Rick? Thank you so much for having me, man. Are you kidding me? Now, I have to ask you. I don't know. Has anyone ever asked you? how you got so tall well actually it's an it's an interesting story uh in 1985 two tall people slept together and here i am wow i did not that is such a simple explanation but so true that is it uh it is very simple you know i because i (laughs) i get like you know a lot of parents will like come up to me with their with their kid and they're like man i i want my son to be as tall as you how can i get my son to be that tall and I'm like, well, you and I should probably have unprotected sex. Yeah. That's really the only that's the only way to do it. This was not this was not carrots in bedtime. This is just genetics. It's always genetics. Well, you're on the road a lot, so I'm sure you have plenty of opportunities to help make this country taller every place you're at. So I am working on it. Good. Life hasn't signed up on this once, but I'm I'm wearing her down. You know, I, I don't mind when people ask me about my height. For the most part, that's fine. What I do kind of mind, though, is when you guys tell me what I should be doing with my height. You know, like, like the other day, a guy came up to me. He was like, man, if I were as tall as you, I'd be in the NBA. And he said it as if I guess I was supposed to be like, holy <laughs> why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I will head there right now. NBA is saying, do you know if they're hiring? Well, you are huge in San Francisco. And that's now can you tell you. can you tell us what the difference is between playing San Francisco and playing some other part of the country? Do you notice a difference? Oh, there's a difference, uh, for sure. You got you know, they 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 can be a little uh they can be a little uh easily offended around there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, they uh San Francisco is, you know, the woke capital of the world and yeah. so uh we of course embrace diversity and that's a great thing and all that, but then, you know, sometimes you get you get this just straight white guy coming on stage and it's like, mm-hmm. "Really? Like another one? This is like the fifth guy in a row. Can we get something else?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm on your side. I wish I wasn't this, but here I am." So, look, I, I was talking to my friend about this. He's from the South, and uh, I was like, "Man, what is everybody's gripe with California these days?" He goes, "I'll tell you the problem with California is you Californians can't accept reality." I was like, Absolutely, that's California for you. Hey, real quick, reminding me, uh, which one of us spends our weekends reenacting a war we lost 150 years ago? Was that, <laughs> is that us or? You guys know what I'm talking about? These Civil War reenactments? You know they do this every weekend? How empty is your life, man? Like, Dude, I lost a college basketball championship my senior year. It broke my heart, but I don't want my descendants to like recreate the game 150 years from now. Try to improve on the strategies. I think they should have set more screens in the second half. Like, dude, just 
Go live your life. And you came from a sketch background. I noticed you, you did some sketches uh, before. Did, uh, you know, which one do you like better? I hate to put you in the, the, the hot seat. Do you like uh, sketch or do you like stand-up? Oh, I'm I'm a, I'm all I'm a stand-up guy for sure. That's just it. It's the purest uh, form of of expression uh, to me that I, that I can think of because it's, it's just you and your thoughts. No music. No other people to blame it on. If it goes great, you know, good for you. If it's all bad, then you know you have one person to look at. Uh, so that I, I'm I'm all stand-up yeah. for sure. I love sketch. Love well, sketch to death. You know, uh, but I, as far as where, where my passion lies, yeah, it's it's all in stand-up. Yeah, I think with my, you know, I came from a sketch background. I did a lot of sketch, and um, but right. I I loved. For me, the greatest thing is to negate during a sketch. I find that's kind of an opposite sort of thing. Like they go, hey, there's a big pirate. No, there isn't. I mean, I think it. I just like to be that guy, and then I go into a long monologue. And so I don't know yeah, why people okay. don't want to work with me, but <laughs> but that's norm. That's what I do. Negate, then long monologue. Uh, from uh-huh. an obscure '50s play, like a hat full of rain or something like that, you know, or, or you know, a raisin in the sun, which is highly inappropriate when I do that monologue. But yeah, all those okay. things. So now, what's what is what are we going to see in the future for you, Paul? Uh, well, uh, I would like uh, I would like this uh, this liberal hoax to be over first of all because I'd, yeah. I'd love to get back on stage. I know, um, gotta miss but, it. Uh, but yeah, no, I I, I was uh, you know we all had big twenty twenty plans, right? Like this was oh. the year that everyone was going to make it. But yeah, no, I I want to I want to get back out there. You know, I was able to release uh, my album and my special this year, and I was kind of just hoping to uh, you know leverage that into <laughs> into more opportunities, just get on the road more. You know, just uh, knock on the doors of some more clubs, start making a dent in uh, L.A. or New York. Um, and, uh, you know, not, none of that is going to be happening for the next foreseeable future. But, uh, you know, it's coming back. It will come back. I mean, there's right now we're doing outdoor shows and Zoom shows yeah. to get by. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's feeding us. It's keeping us nourished for the time being. And then, you know, when things uh, when things are safe again, then, you know, we will uh, we'll head back out and start killing it again. You know, I but I I am fascinated by how we talk to each other in the bedroom, and uh, I would like to to pass something on to the women in the audience, because because ladies, sometimes you know you'll talk in bed, and for the most part, it's awesome, right? You'll say things like "Oh yeah, baby, faster or harder," and that's great. Don't say deeper. That is so mean, all right? Stop that. Ladies, do you hear that slapping sound going on back here? That's my body, okay? It's the one place where, as a performer, it's just you and a mic. And you get up on that stage, and and you're raw. You you are mm-hmm. exposed and vulnerable, and you've got to have something to say. The next milestone that I was going to be pushing for was to get like a late night spot, and so that would be like in my immediate future. But in terms of like, I don't know, I've got a lot of rooms that I've just seen amazing comedy or heard amazing comedy. Like one of my favorite albums of all time is Louis Black at the Luther Burbank Center. Mm-hmm. That's like an hour away from me in Santa Rosa. I used to listen to that album like it was like a Zeppelin album. Just like I knew every word. I would repeat it in the car. Just the way that the laughter popped 
on that album. I was like, man, I've got to get there one day. But then, of course, there's like, you know, there's the this, there's the store and, and Caroline's and the cellar and all. I mean, all these mm-hmm. amazing clubs, zanies that I've just, you know that I've never gotten into that I really wanted to kind of start pushing towards because uh, you know, yeah, I, I've done you know nothing yet. But again, like it's like you said, the moment you like say like, oh, if I do this, I'll make it, then you're gonna stop working hard. So. Yeah. Uh, you just got to stay hungry always. And then, you know, but, it, you know, stop and smell the roses, try to enjoy it a little bit. As a kid, I remember hearing, a, a you know, I, my dad would have old comedy albums and I would, I would listen to him. One was Ch- Cheech and Chong. And uh, yeah, for me, working with Cheech Marin was one of the greater moments of my life. Cause, or also, I, I wrote for Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield one time in Living Color. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, he came in and, and I was had to, you know, write his material with him. And it's moments like that where you go, wow, this is fun. This is fun. And yeah. Because there's right. a lot of ro- moments that aren't. But that's the the one time where you can look and say, I love this job. And, yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. Um, and uh, it is kind of like that drug. You know, there's those low points where you're like, oh, my gosh, like, what, what am I even doing? And then you just get that. For me, it's just, you know, when you just have that one show where you're like, ah, uh, all right, I can I can do this for another 50 years. Well, yeah. Listen, keep doing what you're doing, and thank you for coming on Nehara in America. I'm a big fan, and uh, I would look for to see you in plenty of things coming up soon. And thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. It was an honor. And we'll be right back with more Nehara in America. You're listening to the Nehara in America podcast, the podcast that isn't afraid to tell it like it is to people who aren't afraid to hear like it is. Listen to Nehara in America on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Nehara in America. Welcome back to Nehara in America. This is a segment we normally don't do. We normally stay in America, and we normally stay in the comedy vein. But in this case, I also want to bring up issues. One of our producers, you've heard her do the voices on the show, she's great, is now in front of the federal building, and she is protesting what's going on in Azerbaijan, the issues of against ethnic Armenians there, and the broader sense of what's happening to Armenia. Ladies and gentlemen, Lori Tatulian. Yes, hey, Rick. Lori, great to have you on the show, uh, not as a character, but as yourself. So tell us a little bit what's going on. It's 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 really, it's a... The fight between Azerbaijan and Armenia is growing in scope. I know that um, Turkey supports Azerbaijan. Um, Russia has actual base in Armenia. So uh, the French president has called the Russian president to speak about the situation that's going on. So actually, you have world powers around Armenia and everything is going on. Before Azerbaijan, that pr- uh, part of the of the country that's that's being... And you have actual people protesting behind you, so I can I can hear that. Yeah, is I'm it, at the protest right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what, what, what I've learned of it... Um, um, is that, you know, one of the, is the decline of American policy of not being involved in something like this. And we have so many Armenians mm-hmm. in our country and um, Azerbaijan's and everyone, but it's turning into a world's issue. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, the government that no one has recognized this in our, our, our Azerbaijan is actually ethnically Armenian, correct? Azerbaijan is not Armenian. Well, it's, it's kind of a complicated okay. history. Okay, tell me. Just Please to let it. you know, so Armenia has been Armenia for, I don't know, the beginning of time since Noah, you know, Armenia. Armenia is mentioned in the Bible. And I'm not saying that as a religious point of view, just like it literally meant it wasn't been around since Noah's, I mean, 10,000 years. So Armenians, they're the indigenous native people of that land. And, you know, it's a landlocked country. So it always was being attacked by its neighboring country. Mm -hmm. 
from the beginning of time. It's, you know, on the right in the middle of the Silk Road leading up to modern history, which leads to the genocide when the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish people wanted to just get rid of the armies. So the genocide happened mm -hmm. where 1.5 million Armenians were massacred. All of my family, my grandparents have unspeakable, hor horrible stories of their survival, which I won't get into because no, A, I'll just start crying and it just... I know, it's, it's, anyway. it's been horrible. I mean, I, I've heard stories, uh, actual historical stories, where Armenians were actually crucified. I mean, it was it was yes. worst yeah. genocide you could imagine. Very, yeah, actually, Hitler used the Armenian genocide as a blueprint to orchestrate the Holocaust. So he saw how, I hate to say, successful the Turkish people were. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, wow, you know, nobody speaks of the Armenians, and I'm going to try to do the same thing to the Jews. And there's historical documents of that. But at the same time, in L.A., you know, my neighbor is Armenian. Uh, Armenian people okay. and, and Latinos were very close. You know, it's... it's mm -hmm. Getting back to that. So after genocide, Armenians, you know, for their survival, they had to join the Soviet Union. And if mm. they didn't, they probably wouldn't exist. Yeah. So they joined the Soviet Union. Stalin at that time was just dividing up land. So he gave land to, you know, Georgia and divided up. He was just creating borders. Mm -hmm. So what he did was took a part of ancient Armenia that has been Armenia land and gave it to Azerbaijan. So during the Soviet Union, the Azerbaijanis lived there. And then when the Soviet Union collapsed, Armenia was like, this is our historic land. Mm -hmm. And Armenians were living too. So, yeah, they have, they have a huge Armenian population in that area. I, I read about that. Yes, yeah, the global community calls it nagorno karabakh mm -hmm. Armenians call it Artakh. So there was a war and it ended in 94. The land was, it was created its own nation, but it's Armenian territory. And ever since then, there's been a ceasefire, but there has been sniper attacks back and forth. But now what, what's scary is out of, I guess, the blue, I'm sure there's reasons, and I could give you a lot of reasons, but I won't. Azerbaijan started attacking Armenians and killing innocent Armenians that were just living on their ancestral land. Mm -hmm. And especially during the time of covid when we're barely, you know, the world is going through a global pandemic and Azerbaijan decides with the help of Turkey to start attacking Armenians. Now, there's an issue of oil. There's oil pipelines, uh, you know, and Turkey just wants to um, cut, it uses Azerbaijan and they just want, they really honestly have this agenda to wipe Armenians off the face of the earth. We're like in their way. That's how they see it. And I'm not just saying that as a sentiment, the president of Turkey made a statement and he literally said in a speech that we are going to finish what our ancestors started. He said it. It's documented. And, and th this is really almost a religious war because, you know, Turkey being a Muslim country, uh, Armenia being right. a Christian country. This, this is deep in that area in the Mideast and around there where wars are started over religion. It's, it's, it's sad to see. As we know, Armenia was the first nation to adopt Christianity in the world in 301 AD. And all the surrounding countries except Georgia are Muslim. And that definitely plays a role. But... It also is used as an excuse mm -hmm. to, you know, this is just um, hunger for power and control. And, you know, Turkey is always vying. They're in NATO, but they're not. They maybe want to kick them out. There's like all, as we know, like 
big global politics and the Armenian people, we just want to be, we just want to live, leave us alone. We're not aggressors. We've never started a war with anybody. We just want to, to live. And yeah. Armenia right now is only a population of 3 million people. Turkey is 80 million. And Azerbaijan is, I think, 20 million. So, so what's happening is that they're victimizing the victor and they're throwing it on us. Like we started, we started the war. It's not, it's not even a war. It's not, you know, when you read the news, it's like disputed territory. It's not disputed. This has been Armenian land and it, you know, it's documented going back like for thousands and thousands of years. Everybody knows that. So it's kind of ridiculous, but in current day, uh, you know, modern society with technology, like, um, the Azadis are hacking everything. They're saying the Armenians are starting this. Like, we, we can't do that. We're three million people. And also what is scary is, and I can't believe I'm living through this here in the United States, is recently with these attacks, um, the Azeri community in the U.S. is getting orders from their country. And just recently in San Francisco, they burned down an Armenian church in San Francisco. They graffitied an entire school. They there was gunshots all over the windows, even though school isn't happening right now, saying we're going to kill you. I mean, these hate crimes as an Armenian are very scary. And so I know you're there yeah. uh, in front of the federal building protesting. And I hope people know. And the reason I wanted you on the show, simple as this, is that I think our listeners should know these issues and they should, you know, it's very easy. Read the news, become media savvy, see what's going on in mm-hmm. Armenia and see what you can do about it. And I think the country that I believe in, which is America, I believe mm-hmm. we're a country that is tandem on because we created the UN and all these other things to oh, to put mm-hmm. justice in the world. I mean that was our we became that and that's what we were 100%. supposed to do. 100% and I and I wanted to say that just like Mexicans um, and Armenians we've made amazing contributions to the, to the United States. You know, and we, my grandparents, when they came here, they loved the U.S. They, my grandma literally would write poetry to the president. She didn't know much about, you know, American politics, but like, thank you. We love being here. And um, even though the Armenians were a small people, we've contributed a lot. And I grew up in the Central Valley where um, it was an agricultural community. It was, I would say, 99.9% Mexican. And Armenians and Mexicans, um, we really, uh, we have so many similarities. We're hospitable, we're loving, we're fun, we're soulful people. Hardworking. You know, we just want to be. And we just, we, and uh, I, and so everything you're saying, though, tenants, that the United States stand for, I hope that they come to the aid and military doesn't get in the way of military, sorry, politics doesn't get in the way because we do. The United States has military bases in Turkey and that's always been an issue even before Trump, you know, and I just hope we have leadership that can see past that because if they don't, it's just, it's just not good. We we have to, yeah, it's a small planet, folks. We're all part of it together. There's no man is an island. Their fight is our fight. Their issues are our issues. And I know we can all pray for peace and hope for a good and fair outcome in this problem. So thank you, Lori, for coming on the show. You come in as a very funny person on a lot of the voices you do on the show, and I thank you for that. And I couldn't call you part of the show if your problems weren't my problems as well. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Rick, for everything you do and enlightening all of us and making us laugh at the same time. Thank you. That's a double power right there. Well, thanks for coming on there in America, and thanks for being such a big part of it. Thank you. Lori Tatulian. All right. Thanks. You're listening to the Nahara in America podcast. 
the podcast that isn't afraid to tell it like it is to people who aren't afraid to hear like it is. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Our next guest coming up on Heron America is an incredible comic. He's been on the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal. He's done the L.A. Riot Comedy Festival. He has been on Conan. He's been on so many different shows. He's a laugh riot. Ladies and gentlemen, Rojo Perez. Yeah, what up, baby? What up, Rojo? What's going on? How's it going? You Puerto Rican guy with your big beard that looks a little bit like Fidel Castro. <laughs> it's finally coming in. It's, it is. You know, you don't see that Castro look. It went out for a while, and now it's back. Stronger than ever. Stronger. It doesn't go away. The classics don't go away. <laughs> hey, welcome. Coming on Heron America. It's great to, to meet you uh, in this interview. And because of COVID, we have to be in our separate places, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, I appreciate the invite. I'd seen all the other Hispanic guests you had. And I was like, how far down on the list am I? No, I just, I, you know, it's funny. I call people up <laughs> and the ones who come on, I just say they were desperate. You weren't. You, you waited. You were like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm going to wait a little bit longer. I, I was talking to Francisco Ramos, who's been on the show. Great guy. And he said he talked to you about the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Francisco. He's a great guy. He's uh, I've known him for years. So, I mean, you, look, you're, you've been on the Conan show. You've been true TV. You've been all over. You've been playing all the big clubs and things like that. Um and I'm listening to your, your material, and it's great because you talk about, you know, being Puerto Rican, which to most Americans is like, what part of Mexico is that? Uh, unfortunately, they don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. All these island Mexicans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they don't realize that you were born with citizenship, okay? I don't know how Jennifer Lopez made that deal, but. <laughs> She's the queen. She's the queen. Her and Ricky Martin. Yeah, Ricky Martin talked to Lindsey Graham, <laughs> and then Jennifer talked to Trump. Either way, it happened. Basically, you guys are born with citizenship, which is unlike my people, they just kicked us off our land and didn't give us citizenship. So it's it's a, a different issue. I mentioned mentioned I grew up in Puerto Rico. That's where I'm from. Um, and thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I guess I'll start by um, the last few months have been a little tricky. Last five, six months since the hurricane. And I guess I'll start by saying my family's okay. My friends are okay. Like everybody's fine. Relax. It's not going to be a weird NPR story. It's gonna... <laughs> They're fine, but it's been a lot of mixed emotions, and it started right before the hurricane happened. My parents had to relocate to Florida, and at the time, my dad didn't want to go. Just a 68-year-old man, just wanted to be home. And I had to call him, and I was like, dude, like, it was a tough conversation to have. Like, we had to talk, I was like, hey, like, what's going on? Like, like we, we gotta go. Like, it's, it's a category five. That's all the categories. <laughs> like, they didn't make any more because nobody stuck through five, dude. Like, what are you doing? And I love my dad. My dad's such a sweet dude. My dad was like, well, they're trying to leave right away, and I can't just go. I got stuff. I got stuff in the house. I was like, cool. We'll lock the house. That's, that's why we bought the locks. Uh, and all your furniture's in plastic. Nobody wants this garbage. What are you talking about right now? But I'm thankful I could have that conversation with my folks. My parents raised me in a household where we were, they treated me as an equal, as a peer. We could actually openly talk about stuff. And it was a dope feeling. Like, I was never raised, like, I never really got hit. I was never raised in, like, a hitting family. Like, the only time I ever got hit was when I talked back to my grandma and I told her ginger ale wasn't real medicine. <laughs> 
I was 22. <laughs> but it's weird. I did some stuff to help out. I did what I could. I did some benefit shows. I donated some money, some goods, but it's not good enough. There's still people struggling. And like, I went back. I got to go back last month, and and it's getting better. But there's still a lot going through it. Like, there's still people displaced from their homes. There's still parts with no electricity. There's a lot of like, <clears throat> there's a lot of like stray dogs, like. Like homeless pets, but I feel like, yeah, like if I feel like if white America knew how many stray dogs were in Puerto Rico, like that would have been fixed three weeks after, dude. Like there would have been that would have been the new Vegas. That's um, there would have been press conferences being like, these are American dogs. We need to save these American dogs. No, the people, whatever, but the American dogs. If you don't get why that's funny, you're part of the problem. Um, <clears throat> so now, has there been a place that you just really feel at home in terms of your touring? Do I feel at home? Yeah, man. Weirdly enough, when I go to New Orleans, New Orleans shows me so much love. I genuinely enjoy it. People come out. The city itself has this kind of feel of Puerto Rico where it's like, oh, we're all just kind of partying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah cause but heard... you have that fun uh -huh. energy. New Orleans is probably up there. Uh, Austin is really fun. Mm -hmm. Chicago's fun. Yeah. It's funny. I love getting out of town. LA is a different sort of beast, but being in Chicago, that's one of my favorite towns in New York because the audience will tell you exactly what they think. You know, you'll know <laughs> really quickly. It's not going to be. They don't take you in and really decide. They just know immediately, I hate that guy or they love you. And it's that extreme. But it did take a few years for like, people over there to start being like to actually show some love growing up I man I had a like I I, I blessed my parents were funny for just being nobody talked about it they're like I mean he cries every day in school but I'm sure he'll figure it out I'm thinking outside the box to get women's attention I bought pheromone spray online last week it's a real thing I have if you're not, like, if you don't know what pheromones are, pheromones is that thing that a dude's body is supposed to naturally produce to attract women, and I purchased it. <laughs> My body wasn't making enough of the free that's supposed to on its own, and I bought it. $29.99. Before shipping and handling. That's 2,500 reviews on Amazon. It's a hot ticket. Most of the reviews were five stars. I found one two star, Xander. Xander gave it two stars and his review read, hey, it really works, but be careful. It might also attract pigs and deers. <laughs> That's two stars too many, Xander. Because um, the thing is, Xander figured that out on his own. That is a zero star review. And I still bought it. I used to do a lot more stand-up, but to tell you the truth, you know, when you start writing so much, it's it's harder. It's just harder. It's uh, it's 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 a different world to be. And you know, you meet the world warriors and all those people that are on the road all the time and and doing. And now, look what's happening with COVID. How are we going to adapt to that as comedians? I think that part they kind of Zoom just kind of took it over here in New York. At least they're doing a bunch of. It's still nice enough where their people are doing a bunch of outdoor shows and rooftop shows and park shows, which they're not obviously ideal, but they're still people. 
Yeah. No, no, I just, I just did a film with Mario Lopez and we had to follow all the, you know, procedures, you know, someone was yeah. next to your hands, putting hand sanitizer on, you had to wear the mask until you actually performed all these different things. And we're adjusting. I don't think people, I mean, I, I'm looking now is a, you used to go, Hey, I want to try some stuff up. You go in front of a club, you, you work some material out. That's a luxury now. I do think what this forced, at least it forced me to go, you need to believe from the beginning this is funny. Because mm-hmm. there's there's no more trying it out. Yeah. I found myself being much more self-critical of the wording and writing and being like, man, there's something that you can tell there's something off here. Yeah. I just feel it out rather before I would do it two or three times mm-hmm. in one night and be like, listen back to it and be like, all right. There's there's something here that doesn't need to go in that sort of feel. Mm-hmm. You know, what this pandemic has done, especially for us as performers and writers and stuff, is one, it focused much ourselves much more on work. I mean, we couldn't be yeah. distracted. But it's also, I think, good for us that it gave us the thought that if someone's going to risk their life in a pandemic to come out and see you, you, you better be good. So Give them something. Give them something. Well, you know, we're going to show some of your clips on the show and, and get let people get to know you. But I really love where you're coming from. I love how you, you talk about your life. And one is you are a performer that is an audience I think would love because you're likable. You can actually say a lot of things that people need to hear. I appreciate it. That's what, definitely what we're trying to get at to hold people's hands so we can talk about some real stuff. Well, you're doing it and continued success. I love having you come on the show. Please come anytime you want. Rojo Perez on the Heron America. And thank you so much. And make sure people check out the HBO set. It's still up right now on HBO Max, HBO Go. It's called Spot On Internos. Okay. Everyone check that out because uh, I've seen it. It's incredible. And you're incredible. Thank you, Rojo Perez. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Join us next week on Heron America on Revolver Podcast or wherever you find your finer podcasts.